1: Bring in show music, please.
0: This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Senator Elizabeth Warren, the Massachusetts Democrat, is urging regulators to address possible threats in the crypto market.
2: I don't want to wait until a whole lot of people, a whole lot of small investors, a whole lot of small traders have been completely wiped out.
0: Warren is also reigniting her push for a tax on the wealth of the richest Americans. Yes, Jeff Bezos, I'm looking at you. And that would include billionaire investor and Home Depot founder, Ken Lango.
3: My government told me, you pay your taxes, and what's left is yours to do what you want with.
2: Whatever form you have your assets, diamonds, yachts, paintings, I think there ought to be a tax on that.
0: That conversation on the podcast today, you don't want to miss it. It's Wednesday, July twenty-eighth, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now.
1: Stand Andrew, by in three, two, one, cue Andrews. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Sorkin along with Joe Kernan and Morgan Brennan in for Becky Quick this week.
4: It is Fed Day and all eyes will be on federal... I'm totally having a brain fart right now because it's very early on Fed officials this afternoon when we get that PAL conference and, of course, any guidance on monetary eyes. policy.
5: I, I think because you said all eyes, and that's a false statement. My, it is a
4: false statement. Because it's some it's eyes. Bad, it's bad. Yeah, and it's just kind of not poor grammar. Go,
5: my eyes are not going to be on the <laughs> Fed. Andrew, are your eyes going to um, be on the Fed? I think we'll, we'll – but we'll be on the Fed as well, we'll and it's Both early in the morning. Are, you think all eyes are going to be on the Fed? <laughs> that's not true. That is not true. I guarantee, I probably, I, in the country, I would say no more than
1: from 5%. From an investor's standpoint. Um, even though, investors. From an investor's standpoint, we do Just tend to see all. stocks in a very narrow what if trading one invest, ahead What if one on the investor, investor is not? What Steve if one investor is not? Steve Leesman's eyes are not. Steve Leisman's eyes, on eyes will be on Steve the
5: Fed. Steve Leisman's eyes we will we be on the Fed. Steve Leisman's eyes will be on the Fed. We should say that. We should say that. Uh, Actually, other networks should say that too, because that is true. Our special guest uh, here in studio at the NASDAQ billionaire investor. Home Depot co-founder Ken Langone, he is Invamed Associates chairman and president, and NYU Langone. So that's it. That's 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 named after you, uh, health board chair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, thanks. Uh, who you've been married to for long before you were anything special, which I don't understand. We've talked about that before, but I'm she's still a great, nothing special. <laughs> she's a great woman, Ken. Let's. Uh, we we only got a couple of minutes right. so just to to tease everyone on what you're going to be talking about for the next hour. You have a cross section of the economy it, in a lot of your holdings right. and you still talk to people at Home Depot. Well, The reopening economy is, in your view, what, hot? White yeah, hot. White hot. White hot.
3: When you look at the article in the journal yesterday about used car prices, this is nuts. We haven't had this happen since World War II, believe it or not. And it, every, with place, that- every place there's shortages of labor, there's shortages of materials. Home Depot's biggest problem are the vendors' inability to accommodate our needs which in part is driven, in good part driven, by the labor shortages they're all experiencing.
5: So that that has implications for inflation, for wages, for for all these different things that we're going to talk about. And it has, uh, policy needs to be adapted to this reality, and you don't think it is with $3.5 trillion on the table.
3: I think you're you're going to take a white hot fire and throw a five-gallon gas can on top of it, you're gonna have flames so high, it's gonna be incredible. And when and when the fire's out, the drop is gonna be great. I, I'm worried about one thing and one thing alone: the impact on the little person of inflation. I don't believe this is transitory. I don't believe inflation is temporary. Once you give somebody a raise, and by the way, roughly 65% of all costs in business are labor. Once you give somebody a raise, you don't take it back. It's locked in. So well, I think, Joe, whatever's being missing here, they ought to take heed to it. And I, what I'm worried about is this whole effort to get this done is being done by the concern that the Democrats have for what's going to happen in 2022.
5: You think they're, they're vulnerable? They're- well,
3: everybody's writing how everybody conceives the fact that they're in trouble. I mean, you look at, you look at the immigration problem, you look at the crime problem right now, and now you've got this. I mean, uh, this to me is a bet the ranch bet.
5: We're going to get into this more, but so the trillion to fix bridges, to do actual uh, infrastructure. Spend it, spend it. That's okay. Yes. But the three and a half trillion? No. Okay. Not now, not now. Look,
3: last year they did the right thing. On re- reflection, they did the exact right thing when they poured money, in, because we didn't know- what Congress and the Fed. We oh. didn't know where we were. We didn't know when we'd have a, v- a vaccine, okay? So they did the right thing. Right now, I would argue, do true legitimate infrastructure, bridges, sidewalks, roads, all those things that are in disrepair. And by the way, they are in disrepair. Right. It's a tragedy. Go go
5: in New York City. Do you have a question for, uh, for Elizabeth Warren? Yes. Okay, good. Well, Ken, st-
0: <laughs> stick around. Next on Squawk Pod, Crypto Critic, Senator Elizabeth Warren is warning regulators and investors about the growing
2: threats. I want people to have freedom to invest. I just don't want a system where the big guys, where the shadowy guys can get out there and do pump and dump.
0: And later, billionaire Ken Langone joins the conversation on taxing wealth in America.
3: I made all the money. I paid the government what I owed them. I paid my share.
0: What's on the horizon for financial markets? You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. On Tuesday, the Senate Banking Committee. Senate
3: Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs will come to order.
0: Questioned a panel of crypto industry experts about systemic risks in a hearing titled, Cryptocurrencies, What Are They Good For?
3: Virtual currencies, cryptocurrencies, stable coins, investment tokens have poured into the markets.
0: Now, some lawmakers are in favor of the future promise of the industry. Here's Senator Cynthia Lummis of Wyoming. If we can have a law textbook
2: like this one on virtual currency, we should be able to agree on common terms.
0: Committee Chairman Sherrod Brown of Ohio said blockchain has many potential non-financial uses, but he has concerns about digital currencies.
3: They're not real dollars. They're not backed by the full faith and credit of the United States. I look forward to hearing more today, learning more from our witnesses.
2: Senator Elizabeth Warren, a member of the committee.
3: Senator Warren from Massachusetts is recognized.
2: Uh, Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you and the ranking member for holding this hearing is calling this week
0: on the government to better police the cryptocurrency market. In a letter to Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, Warren wrote that the Treasury's Financial Stability Oversight Council, quote, must act quickly to use its statutory authority to address cryptocurrencies' risks and regulate the market to ensure the safety and stability of consumers and our financial system.
2: All the warning signs are flashing, the hype the volatility, the wild claims that turn out to be false. As the crypto market grows, so do the risks to our financial stability and our economy. Regulators need to do their job and step in before it's too late.
0: Senator Warren also told SEC Chairman Gary Gensler that she wants answers by today, July 28th, from his agency on its authority to protect crypto investors. Elizabeth Warren spoke about crypto, her policies on wealth and the economy, and a lot more on our TV broadcast this morning with Andrew Ross Sorkin, Joe Kernan, Morgan Brennan, and special guest Ken Langone. Here's Andrew.
1: Senator, welcome and thank you for joining us uh, this morning. Thank you. It was Good fascinating. To be here. It was fascinating to watch the hearing uh, yesterday. And here's where I wanted to start the conversation. One of the big questions is, is, how to regulate the industry, but also when to regulate the industry, because there is an element where this is an this is still early stage; it's still startup. And how much regulation do you want to put on now? Um, in the same same kind of breath that we would have had a conversation about, should have we regulated the internet more or not in the 1990s? You know, you might
2: look at this another way. Look at the lesson from history about when do we regulate drugs. Um, As long as people can sell snake oil, it turns out that nobody really invested in having good drugs that were safe and that helped people. And once we really had an FDA that stood up and that said, you know what, we're going to test these drugs before they go on the market. We're going to assure the public that they are safe. Then look what happened. We got a whole lot more investment and obviously a much bigger market that helped the entire world. I don't want to wait until a whole lot of people, a whole lot of small investors, a whole lot of small traders have been completely wiped out. I think rules of the road that are there at the beginning, that people say, you know, we got a cop on the beat, give people a lot of confidence, and they mean that the bad actors know, hey, somebody's watching out, and we can't keep pushing frauds on people.
1: Senator, what do you make of this, though? And and I've gotten this critique uh, myself I often talk about trying to protect uh, the little guy, uh, the the small investor, uh, whether it's around crypto or um, some of the the meme stocks and the like. And what I often hear now from people is, no, 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 Andrew, stop. Don't protect me. You're not protecting me by talking about by, by trying to do that. You're actually protecting the big guy. You're protecting the establishment that if you actually regulate this system, that the little guy is not the one that becomes the beneficiary of it. Give us the freedom to invest in what we want. That's a message that I keep hearing.
2: I I want people to have freedom to invest. I just don't want a system where the big guys, where the shadowy guys, where the guys you never quite see can get out there and do pump and dump, uh, can defraud people, can take in a lot of folks' money and then disappear. You know, it, it, I think the question is not just regulation. The question is how it's aimed. Who takes advantage of there being no rules? It's the big guys. Who wins when there's no cop on the beat? It's the big guys. So that's the part that I care about, and I care about it happening before a lot of people have
1: been wiped down. Do you believe in crypto as, as an idea? I mean, is this something that you think um, personally has has a great future? And is this something that you think I, may or may disrupt the financial industry in a positive way?
2: So, look, right now, one of the things that I think is very interesting is digital currency. You know, goodness knows that there has been an enormous failure by the big banks to reach consumers all across the country. Talk about the people, the millions of people who are unbanked or underbanked, who are paying um, uh, way too much just to be able to have their paychecks cashed or to be able to pay their utility bills and their rents, just to try to get a little edge into the financial system because they don't have standard checking accounts. Digital currency and central bank digital currency may be an answer there because the costs are extraordinarily low for being able to transact. And maybe that will be a way going forward uh, that we get more people into the system.
1: What do you make of the idea that there's a whole bunch of people who've invested in Bitcoin who are buying it Mm -hmm. as as an inflation hedge because they believe that the government is spending too much money?
2: Well, look, people can make their own investment decisions, but to do that somehow assumes two things. One is that what's happening with Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency is somehow going to be divorced from what's happening elsewhere in the economy. And secondly, that, that the crypto coins are not going to have their own inflationary pressures. Uh, They may come from a different source than uh, what happens with dollars. But look at what's happened uh, in the high volatility in the price of these things. The idea that somehow they're a protection or a hedge, I I don't think that's going to be borne out over time.
1: You know, there, there is sort of a libertarian strain, if you will, in terms of those who historically have believed in the idea of crypto. And I'm wondering how you think about crypto and, and and it is a challenger to fiat currency and what you think that means for the social fabric of a country, of a democracy, it, it may be a very great benefit in countries where there isn't a democracy, but also creates all sorts of other problems.
2: Well, and, and actually, you put your finger on it, Andrew. I think that's exactly the right way to think about it, is that we have a lot of problems in our financial system right now. Access is one of the ones we talked about, but it's also uh, the fact that large banks manage to control and manage to put at risk large parts of our economy. That's what we saw in the crash in 2008. The question we have to ask though is look at the design of crypto to see where it may be better but also to see where it may inject its own risks into the system. So, Andrew, you remember back during 2007, 2008, 2009, how money markets were outside the system. Money markets were how people made a little money because they didn't like the fact that the banks, uh, you'd have your money in a checking account and you wouldn't get much return on that. And then what happened when the crash hit? And the answer was that the federal government, the taxpayers, were called on to step in and shore it up because so much money was now tied up in money markets and exchanged that it would put our whole economy at risk. We need to think about crypto with that same kind of what will be its interaction with our overall
1: financial system. Senator, but but to put a fine point on it, do you believe, when you talked about snake oil salesmen, Do you believe that Bitcoin, for example, is effectively a a snake snake oil sales product, if you will? Do you believe it should be outlawed? Or is there some form of regulation that you think will otherwise make it something of value?
2: My concern is about the snake oil salesmen who hide everywhere when there's not regulation. My concern is about the actors that... When there's no cop on the beat, look around and see traders as just folks they can take advantage of. My concern is that a wholly unregulated market is one where ultimately the folks who right. pay the price are the small investors and the taxpayers.
1: Uh, talking about taxpayers, uh, a conversation we've been having for a long time is, of course, the wealth tax. And I imagine, by the way, one of the issues that you are thinking about is taxing cryptocurrency. Do you think there should be a different approach to taxing crypto?
2: That's you know, an interesting question. I, I think that the way we we should be thinking about taxes is I want to see us tax wealth. And however your wealth is tied up, it shouldn't make a difference whether you have real estate, or whether you have cash, or whether you have a bazillion shares of Amazon. Yes, Jeff Bezos, I'm looking at you. Um, Whatever form you have your assets, diamonds, yachts, paintings, I think there ought to be a tax on that annually. Just a tiny little tax, and only for the people who have more than $50 million in assets. But notice, if we put that tiny little tax in place, that would be enough. To pay for universal child care, enough to pay for our kids to be able to go to college, enough for us to pay for all those roads and bridges and bring them into the 21st century at the top of the line. We could pay for all of that if we just ask those at the top pay a little bit more. Up next,
0: we'll keep things going. Senator Elizabeth Warren on a hot button issue for billionaires with a B like Ken Langone higher taxes for the wealthy
2: right now we have a tax system that actually doesn't capture the folks at the very top i
3: pay a tax no matter what my deductions i owe the government so much money why don't corporations have a minimum tax
0: SquawkPod, we'll be right back
4: this podcast is supported by fedex dear small and medium businesses no one wants happy customers more than you do so you need a business partner just like you
0: Welcome back to Squawk Pod. In the now long, long ago presidential campaign of 2020, remember that, pre-pandemic, progressive Democrat Elizabeth Warren proposed a 2% ultra-millionaire tax on Americans with a net worth over $50 million, and a 6% tax on fortunes over a billion. The revenues generated from this tax could top trillions over a decade. And in the Senator's proposal, the funds would go to healthcare, childcare, education, and housing. Squawk Box special guest, Ken Langone, is one billionaire who paid attention to this proposal. His net worth, according to Forbes, which tracks these things, is about $5.8 billion. And under a war in wealth tax, his annual bill would be $163 million. But that's not Langone's only fiscal concern. He's in his 80s, and like other Americans over the age of 65, he receives a Social Security benefit from the federal government monthly. He weighed in today, and yes, it was a healthy back-and-forth on entitlements, wealth, and capitalism with Senator Elizabeth Warren.
5: Ken Langone might want to, Ken, you, you, uh, what do you think of a wealth tax, or, or truck that's a truck? A wealth
0: truck is- tax is negative
3: compound interest. It's what it is. You're right, I made all the money, I paid the government what I owed them. What I had left, I put at risk. I could have lost it all. I could have lost it all. But I paid my share. I have a bigger issue for the senator that I think I would hope she would address that that to me is apple pie and motherhood. Senator.
2: Uh, Could could we talk about the wealth tax just for a minute before we change uh, subjects here?
3: Senator, I have an easy one for you and you're going to be shocked that I'm bringing it up from a fat cat Wall Street guy. How do you rationalize giving me $3,000 a month check every month with all my wealth? Why don't you people have the courage to address entitlements as to what should no longer be an entitlement? I shouldn't get Social Security. Second thing, I pay a minimum alternative tax. I pay a tax, no matter what my deductions, I owe the government so much money. Why don't corporations have a minimum tax? Third, what about... They carried interest. Why not address that? These are home runs in terms of right versus wrong, in my opinion. I'll give you one example. This is shocking. Take all the corporate taxes paid in America last year as told by the government what they got in. Home Depot paid 1% of all those taxes. One company, one company that didn't exist 42 years ago. We take good care of our associates. Our vendors love dealing with us. It's profitable. We give back to our community, and by the way, our shareholders have compounded at 27% a year from the day we went public 40 years ago. Everybody has done well, and we've paid full taxes. Why don't you address these? These are slam dunks, Senator. Tell me why I should get a check, and my wife gets another 1000 bucks on top of that. Take it away from me. Have the courage to do it. I know
2: it's the third rail of politics, but do it. So let's start with the wealth tax. That's where we were.
3: You don't want to address the issue issue of how I'm
2: getting four grand a month from the government and I shouldn't be getting it. Can can I answer some of these questions? Sure. Sure, please. All right. Thank you. So I'll start with the first one. And that was the question about the wealth tax. Remember, let's look at someone like Jeff Bezos, who is worth a bazillion dollars. He has not paid taxes on all of that wealth. Don't describe it that way. In fact, Jeff Bezos, many years, has either paid nothing in taxes or he's paid about 1%. Why? Because his income is very, very small, but he continues to grow his wealth through all of his Amazon stock. And how does he then fund a lifestyle like he does? Not by cashing in Amazon stock, but by borrowing against it. Right now, we have a tax system because it focuses principally on wealth, that actually doesn't capture the folks at the very top. It makes middle class folks pay, it makes working class folks pay, but it doesn't make those at the top pay. A wealth tax is an opportunity to say, if you're at the very, very top, you have to make a contribution, too. Now, I think you also ask why we don't have a minimum tax for corporations. Actually, I've proposed something very much like that. It's called a Real Corporate Profits Tax. And it says that the amount of tax that giant corporations have to pay, that is, corporations that made more than $100 million in profits last year, that those corporations should have to pay a tax on what they report, not on what happens after they've done a zillion loopholes and excuses and, and not paid their underlying taxes. That would be another way that we could pay for universal child care and roads and bridges. And you ask about Social Security, I think Social Security really is the thing that is structured differently. It's structured as an insurance policy. And you paid in year after year after year, and part of the contract was if you would pay in, you would get this kind of return on the back end. It's not somebody's welfare. It's not somebody's charity. It was an agreement that every employee in the country who is eligible for Social Security paid into and gets a return at the back end. Surely, you wouldn't want to be the person who would go on national TV and say, after a contract has been negotiated and someone has paid into it for 40 years, that the federal government should turn around and say, oops, we changed our mind, we're not going to give you the payout that you earned by making those payments all those years.
1: Senator, I've got a question actually about taxing, and maybe this goes to to the wealth tax. Uh, I've I've discussed on the program the idea of taxing philanthropy, Um, and I'm sure that Ken will have his own views about this. There are a lot of folks like Ken, I think, who are doing remarkable work, Uh, but then there's a lot of other folks that may be giving to charities and other things that – uh, that, that may may be different, and the reason I ask about this is because, in the same way uh, that you were talking about um, fortunes that go untaxed, uh, whether we talk about a Warren Buffett or a Bill Gates or so many others, uh, whose effectively their their entire fortune will never be taxed, and I wonder whether you think that there should be an upper limit on that, whether there's an idea that that in fact the American many of American taxpayers are in fact subsidizing this charity.
2: You know, you raise a very interesting point about this, but what I'm gonna do is just take what I think is the simpler answer around this. If we put a wealth tax in place, remember, this is for people who have wealth more than $50 million. Put a wealth tax in place, ask those folks to pay two cents on the dollar for their fortunes above 50 million, uh, three cents if they have fortunes above a billion. Once we do that, now you've got more revenue into the system and you begin just a little bit to equalize the tax burden. Part of the problem we've got right now, and you identify it, how it manifests itself with, some people decide to be charitable, others don't. But part of the problem we've got right now is last year, the 99% in America paid about 7.2% of their total wealth in taxes. But that top one-tenth of 1%, they paid about 3.2%. So let's put a wealth tax in place. Let's just equalize it a little bit. They'd still be getting a great deal at the top, but equalize that a little bit. And then we don't have to put as much pressure on other parts of the tax
1: system. Senator, we're, we're going to run out of time, but I want to pivot to one other conversation, which is sure. uh, about uh, COVID-19 and mm-hmm. this Delta variant and and whether you believe that there should be a federal mandate for federal employees to get vaccinated.
2: Look, right now, uh, I think that every employer is trying to figure out what to do. Towns are doing different things. States are doing different things based on the circumstances that they face, but I support President Biden and what he's trying to do right now. You know, he's uh, in requiring the federal workforce to get vaccinated. Everyone in my office is vaccinated. Uh, Employers around the country have a right to try to make their workplaces safe workplaces, and that will include vaccines. It may include masks. We're in the middle of a pandemic still. And we want to keep this economy open. We want to keep our kids back in school. And that puts a responsibility on all of us to try to keep each other safe. The way we do that is with vaccines.
1: So but what do you what do you think uh, businesses should be doing? I should tell you, um, you know, some of the big airlines and, and travel companies subsidized by the U.S. taxpayer during this pandemic are now calling uh, for the opportunity to fly in uh, foreigners who are vaccinated, but there is no requirement, for example, to be vaccinated uh, if you're going to get on a domestic uh, flight. Do you think that, that that should be a requirement? All of these could become nudges-enforcing and mechanisms for vaccination across the country if they were imposed. Right. And
2: businesses are figuring it out for themselves. And I think they should have the freedom to do that right now. They're trying to figure out how to keep their their workplaces safe and they're trying to figure out how to keep their customers safe. Uh, You know, I have now gone to places where they have sign on the front door and it says um, masks are required, don't come in without them. I understand that. I've seen other places, I've been to one, that are requiring evidence of vaccinations. If that's how businesses think that they can best keep their employees safe, and best keep their customers safe. Then I think they should have the freedom to do that,
5: Senator. To, to, before we let you go, I just I, I'm trying to figure out how we implement the wealth tax. I think you want to do it uh, every year. For how do you value um, assets every year, illiquid assets? And and if they were to go down the next year, the ones that you taxed before they were sold the prior year, do you give that back because then they've gone down and and. Just the logistically trying to get that done for even a small number of people with an IRS that can't even, uh, you know, that's overwhelmed right now, according to a lot of people. How are you going to take someone with five billion dollars and and value all those assets, mark them all to market before they're sold Tax your two percent and get them to pay that. I guess they have to. They'll, they'll sell some things, but logistically, this is never going to happen, Senator. It's never going to happen.
2: So can we start with where most of the wealth is for the top one tenth of one percent? It's in stock. It's the easiest thing okay. in the world to value. All you've got not to do all, is check but, the stock okay. price. But you know, not all. We of would it receive. Not proud, not I didn't they're say they're it's pro- all of it. I didn't say it's all of it. But we could collect a huge amount in revenues just from the stock. Now, when you go to the rest of the property, how do you value your real estate every year? It turns out that pretty much every pretty much every town in America has a real estate tax, a town or a county or a state has a real estate tax and a method they've put in place for valuing. it.
5: But you get it back Um, if it goes down the next year, Senator, when you haven't sold, you're valuing it.
2: I don't think you do on real estate taxes. It's my understanding Not that when real, you pay no, it for uh, that year, you pay tax. it for that year.
5: If the stock My understanding
2: you, if, is no, S- no you Senator, pay your you're, taxes. you're taxing if the your stock before you goes down, sell it.
5: You're taxing it v- based on what's value. Let's say it goes down fifty percent, which we've seen. Do You get the money back on the unrealized gains that you've already paid your taxes on the next year.
2: You pay the taxes on your wealth in the year that the that they are taxed. That's how it works. That's what people do. What do you put on about real if it estate? goes back
5: down the next year? Why are you paying taxes on, on gains you didn't realize? That's not going to It's not fair, and it's not going to work. Joe. Sure. Yeah.
2: You know, you do it on your home every year. You do it on your home every single year. Look, people at the very, very top are paying taxes in, in terms of their wealth at less than half the rate Well,
3: there's depreciation. There's a lot of reasons. It is not sustainable
2: over time. Senator, I'm happy
3: to have the clarification on your stand-on vouchers. If I'm right, you're saying the voucher money can be used to go to another public school system. I want to leave you with one, one data point. Of the 30 most developed nations on earth, we spend in public education... More money per student than any of the other 30 countries. Our ranking in results is 28th out of 30. Question. Are we, generic question, don't answer it. Are we getting our money's worth? Give the charter schools, give these schools like the Catholic schools in New York and places like that, give the the yeshivas, give them some of that money and watch what they do with the kids. You want to clarify your book, by the way, Senator, you didn't didn't qualify your support of vouchers in your book. You said, I support vouchers. You didn't say only if it goes from one public school to another.
2: Actually, I do make that clear in the book. I've, I wrote the book. I know what it says. Okay, and as I, read and that part and the I book. said, if if you really want to talk about public education, I hope you'll read my current book, Persist. I have a whole chapter about public education. And one of the points I make in this chapter is how much we have underfunded our public education. Take a look. Just if you don't want to do this on what we spend on teachers and what we spend directly on our children. Look at our public school buildings. Look how old they are. Look how, look how they are falling apart in many cases. We just took testimony yesterday in Senate subcommittee. We were talking about student loan debt. And one of the issues that came up was the investment in our public schools. As a country, we are not investing enough in our children going forward. We owe our children, they are our future. The investments we make in the buildings, in their teachers, in the buses to get them back and forth to school, in their after-school activities, in trying to get these children so that they have real opportunities from the time they're born, that we want all of our children to have opportunity. And the way we do that is we invest in public education.
1: Senator Warren, uh, we want to thank you for joining us uh, and debating and having this wide-ranging conversation. We touched on everything from crypto to education to wealth taxes to vaccinations and so much more. And we hope you'll come on back and we'll talk some more in the future. Thanks.
0: And that's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Thanks to Morgan Brennan for joining us today. All eyes are on Squawk Box, weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern.
5: My eyes are not going to be on the Fed. You think
0: all eyes are going to be on the Fed? That's not true. And all ears are on this podcast. Or they should be. Please listen and follow Squawk Pod. We'll meet you back here tomorrow.
4: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do.